2: Hey there, welcome to Binge the Bucks, a special narrative podcast series focusing on the Milwaukee Bucks 2019 playoff run and part of the Eurostep podcast. I'm Ty Windish and I'm here with Rohan Kadi to break down game five in the third series in the Bucks 2019 run, a 105.99 loss to the Toronto Raptors at home. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, Blue Chew, and Sadness, and the Eurostep is proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Rohan, how's it going? First, uh, outside of having to rewatch this game and prepare for this podcast, and second, factoring that in.
3: Well, you know, I'm I'm hanging in there, you know, finding things to keep myself occupied and stuff, but I just need to say I did not even realize that you said sadness. Like it did not click into my head <laughs> like it did not click that you said it's brought to you by sadness, which is very apt for uh getting ready for this podcast because this this was just this was demolished, like demolishing.
2: This was. And, you know, the hot takey in me was like, this is when the series for sure ended. Um, maybe. I mean, to, to technically, no, obviously, I mean, they, they got to play another game and the Bucks didn't come out of the gates flat that time. But it sure does feel like, you know, as much as we called game three, the turning point game Four, you know, a loss kind of indicative of what was to come. Losing the home court is a whole different story. I mean, you can lose all the momentum on the road. You can still come home and secure that home court and then even if you lose game six, like the Bucks obviously would go on and do, you still get that game seven and five serve where the Bucs had been so so good in the regular season and the playoffs. They of course do not get that. They blow a couple of leads in this game. They even have Gucci main on their side, which I completely forgot that was a thing, but it just was not enough.
3: Yeah, I forgot Gucci sort of became like a Bucks fan during this series.
2: Yeah, I haven't uh, heard much from Gucci about his Bucks fandom since then, but at the time it felt like at least we have a Drake. He just he just
3: now. showed up to like one game in in a Giannis jersey just to like yeah. be like the Bucks version of Drake, like you said. The and only I, time I, I, the Bucks weird. ever
2: adjusted to anything Toronto did at any point was inadvertently when Gucci Man showed up and countered Drake. <laughs> that was the best adjustment they made mm-hmm. the whole postseason.
3: Yeah, well, it it it's up there for sure. They did, <laughs> as we'll get into on this yes, episode. Yes. There is one big adjustment off the bat, and that is that Malcolm Brogdon was in the starting lineup instead of our old friend Nikola Mirotic, who we love so much.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, this that this part that part was good. Um, the less good part is that Nico still plays in this game, and and we'll get to it, but potentially. A very short amount of minutes that could have maybe cost the Bucks the game in, in some ways. We'll get there. We'll discuss when we get there. Before we get into this first quarter, uh, is there anything else that, that we should go over to, to set the stage for our listeners?
3: I mean, just like my main two points were that you cannot, like if you're the Bucks in this game, you cannot drop this game. if Because you had mm-hmm. already lost two on the road and you have to defend your home court. Otherwise, you have to go on the road in an elimination game. Which we know what happens to that in that situation. So if you're the Bucks, who have to come out wanting to win this game and like needing to win this game, like desperation mode, which they do, which we'll get into. And then I get Brogdon finally in the starting lineup instead of Nico. I think I think Bud started to realize, hey, maybe this isn't the best idea. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Maybe he didn't because he still played uh, a little bit.
2: Does does have a relatively quick pull, but probably not quick enough. The other thing. Probably we should put a trigger warning here. This is a Fred Van VanVleet game. This is maybe his best one. Um, certainly a uh, very effective from the guard. I think we're gonna—he's gonna come up quite a bit. So if that's not something you, as a Bucks fan, can handle just yet, just mute this and let it play. So we still get the—we still get the stats. We want the—we want the play. We certainly want that. But uh, you know, just don't subject yourself to it if you're not yet quite ready, because. Just a gratuitous amount of FVV slipping wide open in this game.
3: Yeah, I, I second that. It's definitely a trigger warning for sure. Uh, okay. So, so I guess we can get into this now.
2: Yeah. So this one, the the worst part about these games, this and and the next one, and, and some other games in the series, I think you had already made the point in a lot of ways, this is kind of the antithesis of the Celtics series. The Bucks get off to a hot start. Giannis is really taking control it seems like we talked about he's trying to be that tone setter he's doing it um Brooke cuts to the basket early while Giannis gets double teamed that that was kind of a funky play you didn't see that very often but it worked and the Bucks jump out to an early lead and it for a second you're like oh Things are going pretty well. I wonder if this is going to hold yeah, up. And, they uh, had a,
3: they had an eighteen to four lead. It's it was, good. It was very good. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon seemed like he was very much like ready to be starting for like a yes. while now. Uh, he was just such a steadying force in this entire game, but especially in that first quarter, getting them going. And we had an appearance from Eric Bledsoe.
2: Yeah, this is the the very the. the I mean, I don't want to say it was, like, terrific, but a very good Eric Bledsoe no, you,
3: game. Yeah, it was a very good Eric Bledsoe game. You cannot knock him, really, for anything no, he did. No,
2: no. I mean, the worst, he did lead the Bucks with four turnovers, but four isn't a ton, and he ends up putting up 20 points in this thing, and I think with these playoff games, one thing I like to look at, it of course, never tells the whole story, but the Bucks do win Eric Bledsoe's minutes in this game by five, so in his 33 minutes, the Bucks are plus five, Pretty good, pretty good, pretty dang good game from Eric Bledsoe, got to the foul line more than anyone but Giannis, made more free throws than anyone, um, good stuff from Eric Bledsoe, and yeah, he hits a, a nice mid-range jumper, I think, here in the first quarter, it was a nice, nice to see good Bled in the playoffs.
3: Yeah, he, he gets nine of his 20 points in this first quarter, and really a big part of, you know, building that huge lead. Uh, one player we have not mentioned so far in Milwaukee's side, this is this hurts both of us, Um Chris Middleton. Oof. What? Yeah. When I was rewatching this game, you wanna? I'm going to tell a little story real quick. Oh, so, yeah. I was watching this game. Uh, you know, just, you know, taking my notes and everything, and I just see like a couple like defensive mistakes by Chris Middleton, mm-hmm. let's say. A couple of them. And as they start to build up, I eventually make the face that DeAndre Jordan makes after he sent Brandon Knight into another dimension. Uh, just <laughs> that face where he's just disgusted at every Like, I have no idea what happened to Chris Middleton before this game.
0: Well,
3: just, there's so know, many just careless mistakes.
2: Yeah, he, listen, there's the offensive thing, which, I you know, you pervade the box score before... Diving into the rewatch, right? At least that's what I do. So, you see, I think he was, what, like two for nine? Yeah, two for nine from the field, scored six points. But, so, I go in thinking, oh, I'm going to be so upset he didn't shoot more. And, yes, I mean, he should have shot more. But he does have ten assists, and his playmaking was actually looking really good in this game. He finds a lot of open bucks. He makes some plays that way. So, it makes the the poor shooting a little forgivable, but I could not agree more. The other end, a terrible effort from Chris Middleton. The Bucks as a whole also... But Chris, in particular, he kept slipping off of like Kawhi
3: Leonard, which is not someone you can slip off. He gets past him. Yeah, just which is we were just destroying Nico for doing that on the last episode, and this is Chris. Middle, he's a great defender. (laughs) Yeah, I just I don't should be. I do not understand why he was having such. It was. It seemed like it was just mental errors. It does, and
2: I do – I want to deposit this. Somebody on the TNT postgame show, I think, brought this up. I was, I was reading some coverage of the game as well. I wonder how much Brogdon being in the starting five again kind of threw him off a rhythm from the last few games. I, I don't want to make excuses here. I know, you know, I've, obviously we both are, especially me, very pro Chris Middleton. He was bad in this game. Like I said, 10 assists, good playmaking, pretty much every other area, not nearly good enough, not, not even – Not even by last year's standards, which he's raised his own bar. Uh, Now I think he's proven himself as a third-team at least All-NBA guy. Last year, just an All-Star guy, not quite on that level. But he did not even live up to his 2018-19 standards. He just was not good enough. But I do think there could be something to Brogdon coming in, taking and, and making a lot of shots. Good Brogdon game, but... I do sure, think it yeah. did imbalance Chris a little bit on offense but that there should be no excuse for Yeah, I was losing yeah, I was going to say that's
3: like offensively that's completely understandable because a lot of the reason why we've seen such a like uh increase in the production from Chris in the 1920 season is because there was no Malcolm Brogdon and he had a bigger load to take which he's thrived in um but the defense of just there's no excuse.
2: No. No, so yeah, I, that that was one of my first notes. I mean Listen, some guys are really good at slipping out undetected. Van Vliet does it a lot in this game. All oh, the Bucks make it very easy for him. We'll get there. But in the first quarter, Kawhi Leonard slips slips out for a three. And it's like that's not a guy you can ever lose. I mean, that's the guy. I mean, that's the guy that for the rest of this series, the Bucks are so concerned with that they leave all these other guys open. You can't let him be wide open. I think it was a corner three as well. Like, oh, It's just... One of those plays where you don't understand. Maybe it happens once on a blown coverage, but I, I agree that's something I noticed repeatedly in this game. Chris Middleton was getting lost on defense. It was not a good effort from him. He needed to be better, and he just wasn't—at least not enough—in this game. Um, I think I don't really have anything else to add in the first quarter. No, I Except do. for Nico yeah. starts to yep. get exposed. <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah. Uh,
3: there was, you know, like I said, the Bucks had an 18 to four lead. Right. That was their biggest lead. Yes. Then in comes Nikola Uh And to be fair, George Hill.
2: Uh, yeah, poor George Hill. Very poor
3: a, George Hill game.
2: Uh, poor George Hill game, shoots well, not a good game overall, and he gets tagged with the worst plus minus in this thing.
3: Yeah, I would say that he was not the worst player and uh, because, you know, he did shoot well. Uh, but yeah, in comes George Hill and Nikola Miritich after the Bucks had built an 18-4 lead. And then it just starts to, you know trickle away and then even once it especially takes off when Giannis checks out and Pat Connaughton comes in because that that's there was a lot of questionable rotation decisions I want to get into this a little bit later not now but there was a lot of questionable rotation decisions in this game from Mike Budenholzer and it starts early so we get this was
2: one we this is only the first quarter and I think very early second quarter but you do you have the five-man group
3: I do not.
2: I think it was the four reserves and like Chris. So I think it was George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Chris, Urson, and and Nico was a five-man group. And it's just like, why? Why Mm -hmm. would you ever put those five guys on the floor? It was rough. It's exactly what you think it would be. Especially, you know, you think now this year, maybe, you know, Chris has been so good, but... Chris was not good early. He wasn't. I think it was both of his makes in the second half. I know at least yeah, one I think so. was. I think both were. They might have both been in the fourth quarter. So it's like that's like the he's the offensive anchor of this group with Patsy, George Hill, Urson, and Nico, and it it went as you would expect.
3: Yeah, it was the Bucks had a nine point lead when that group happened. That group only la- didn't even last three minutes because by the time Giannis came back in. It, like Toronto had already cut back into the lead because uh, they were just making their threes and, you know, because you, that's what you expect when you're going against an opponent's starters with your reserves in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know what else you would expect.
2: No, yeah, I, uh, I, I also don't really get that one. I mean, this was, so at the seven minute mark, the Bucks had that 18 to four lead. We're only five minutes into this thing. George Hill comes in for Brogdon and Miritich en- enters for Brook Lopez. I don't really know why. And five minutes in, that was that; those were necessary changes. But immediately, it goes from eighteen to four to nine to eighteen, like you said. So, uh, Giannis is. Still hey,
3: when you point. take a guy out of the starting lineup because he's not performing, obviously you need to bring <laughs> him in to the game five minutes immediately in, in the middle of a huge run. Yep, you just need to bring him in. Why? You know you already have a big lead. What else do you have to lose? I think know? it is— Oh, wait, the lead. <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: the lead. Good good point. I do think this is another time to point out the Bucks bench, just not what it becomes a year later. I mean, when Brogdon does move into the starting lineup, you still have George Hill, which is great. Although, again, like you said, not a terrific game from, from George. You know, your next best guy on the bench is one of Pat Sear or something. And then it's the other one, and then it's Nico, and then it's Sterling Brown, who at this point— was basically out of the rotation again. He plays three
3: minutes in this thing. He... Sterling Brown with the jersey on but the sweatpants A on. Legendary Just combo. iconic look. Iconic look. Truly
2: right an iconic look. Um, hopefully he gets to wear the jersey without the sweatpants more and, and be on the floor in the future. But um, definitely. So should we just move right to the, the second quarter then? Do you have the, do you Yo, have the score? Great.
3: Yeah. And Milwaukee actually, they kept their yep. lead 32-22 because Giannis you know, came in and started to... Just... Steadied the ship a little bit there, wow, uh, and you know, still managed to keep a ten point lead, which is great. This is what you want
2: to see. It is, but I think it it didn't even really feel like that much of a win. You know, when you're holding the fourteen point lead just a couple minutes in, that basically just means you spent the rest of the quarter losing by four. But yeah, it it was a lead. A lead is a lead is a lead. You just need to lose by nine or less over the next three quarters. That's it, right? That's not asking a ton, but. Uh, it, it was in this game. This second quarter uh, doesn't start off good. Um, I think at one point the Bucks go on a 1 for 14 run from the field. and
3: the Yeah, they didn't score for like five yes. minutes or something.
2: I think it? they were solidly scoreless for three and a half, and there was I don't even know how many minutes it was that, again, they literally had one shot made the entire time. And somehow, I don't know how this worked out, but the shot to break that cold spell was a Giannis three. That just seems... Like, such an ill-fated thing for the Bucks to be on a long cold spell and Giannis to be taking a three. I was so nervous.
3: He was the, It was the only three of the quarter for Milwaukee. Ooh,
2: I did not realize that one.
3: Yeah, it was, it was not great to see that. And just, again, my first note for this quarter is Middleton was all over the place and not in a good way. Mm. Uh, his first turnover, I think, was just he just threw it to Norm Powell. Oh, yeah. Like, he legit just gave it yeah. to him after he was double-teamed. Like, you know, you can't just, you know, just might as well, instead of forcing like a shot clock violation, just give it to them on a fast break, you know, why not? Get it over with quicker, I guess. But one one player who was like a stabilizing ship, like I mentioned earlier, was Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, even though Toronto like came back and like took the lead uh, midway through the quarter, uh, Brogdon had some huge buckets to really, you know, keep Milwaukee in this, even though Toronto was looking like they were going to open this up.
2: No, yeah, absolutely. It was. Um, so the Bucks, after this scoreless run, you know, Milwaukee rallies a little bit, grabs a five-point lead uh, about halfway through the quarter, and then Nico comes in for Brook Lopez. So we should talk about very good Brook Lopez game. We talked about, was it game one, I think, that like the Brook Lopez mm-hmm. game? This was yep. a good Brook Lopez game. He did a lot on offense. He he gets lost a couple times. I mean, he doesn't get lost. He gets shook a couple times, especially by Kawhi really late in this thing. But, Really big impact offensively in a game the Bucs needed it. But he go he goes out for Nikola Mirotic, uh, or like I said, around the six-minute mark in this quarter. Bucks are holding a five-point lead. It takes 33 seconds for Toronto to tie the game once Nico comes in. And, and this was a, a rough quarter for Bledsoe on offense as well, but it's just like instantaneously Toronto, whether it's Pascal Siakam or Kawhi or whoever is near him, is just going directly at Miritich and just getting directly to the rim so easily and it like the lead was just gone. And the Bucks do end up, you know, kind of fighting back a bit by the end of the quarter, but it's so tough when you have a fourteen point lead and it's a race. Then you get like a five point lead, it's a race. Like the Raptors would not let the Bucks extend or even hold on to a lead at this point in the game.
3: Yeah, it was just it seemed like every time the Bucks went on a run and, you know, managed to, like, get themselves back up, they would just, you know, fall back down again. They could not get out of their own way. No. Because, like, they clearly, because they were building these leads, they're capable of, you know, being the dominant force in this game. But they could only do it for certain stretches, and then you would just have players like Miritich just tear it apart. It was, like, it was an equal uh negative to the bucks normal positive
2: yeah so in the in the first half i would say the nico minutes is really what gave this thing back to toronto in addition to some other things the second half i think it's a bit of a different story i think it is more on the entire team maybe especially a couple guys um i will say there's a pascal siakam three at the end of the half that i mean every shot is big in a playoff game decided by six really kind of closer than that, some some clock free throws at the end there. I mean, it was like a one-possession game pretty late in this thing. And I, I'm i not sure if the Bucks knew who was supposed to be covering Pascal Siakam on this three. Brook Lopez ends up closing out, and it kind of looked like that was – like the point was to have Brook on Siakam from the way they, they were set up because they were so concerned with the dribble penetration from the top of the, the arc. But, like, I have no idea why Giannis would be on – Serge Ibaka and why Lopez would be on Pascal Siakam like there wasn't even really anything run Giannis just shaded so far into the basket that he was basically level with Brooke Lopez and Siakam was just wide wide open it's just one of those things where why like why why would you leave a dangerous player like Siakam that wide open it was just way too much of that happening on the Bucks side of things they were almost never getting offense that easily they they were getting some nice cuts some easy looks that way but Toronto was not making life that easy for Milwaukee at all.
3: Yeah, that was a massive shot at the end of the court, uh, end of the half. It would instead of a six point lead, it was a three point lead. And even though you know it's just one shot, three points, but that's such a momentum killer as you go into the half because it's like if you're Toronto, it's like okay, we're only down three, and it's if you're Milwaukee, it's like wow, we've done all this and we're only up three. Like, a six-point lead is so much better in everyone's eyes than a three-point lead because it's, like, multiple poss- possessions compared to one, right. you know? Like, it's just, it's the small things that sort of cost Milwaukee this entire game and, I guess, the series.
2: And this is one where, and there's a couple different threes where I kind of look at it from this perspective, but again, I mean, we get to very late in this game. There are some very key possessions that would have played out differently if, Toronto was only up by one possession as opposed to two, or, or vice versa, or even closer than that. So, tough stuff. Tough stuff on some really bad blown coverages. The other thing I want to talk about from the second quarter um, the Bucks run where they, they just didn't do any offense. I went back and I, I looked through the play by play to get it right. And I think, aside from two Bledsoe misses at the rim in the same possession. And Giannis somehow I think missed two dunks. The whistles were suspect in here. The Bucks took 18 free throws. Toronto took 31. Whatever, but here's mm-hmm. a, here's a reason why that can almost be a little misleading in in how bad or good or whatever the officiating was. Aside from those four possessions I talked about, the two Bledsoe misses at the rim and the two Giannis misses at the rim, I think every single one of those misses on that one for 14 runs. So that's like nine shots were all jumpers. The bucks just kept bricking jumpers. They were not getting to the rim outside of three possessions. It's just like when you're on a cold spell like that, I'm convinced you know there's analytics on shots or whatever. those are all usually in a vacuum. If you have missed as a team several jumpers in a row, I think you just need to go in and make a layup. like I just think you have to get to the basket. The bucks were not capable of doing it for a lot of that run and it helped the Raptors certainly get back into this game and like like we said, almost have a lead at halftime after how well the Bucks had played in short runs. It was certainly demoralizing.
3: Yeah, the free throw disparity was. It definitely caught my eye for obvious reasons, especially you know when you know uh, Kawhi's just getting ticky tack fouls on Chris Middleton, mm-hmm. and then Giannis just gets clobbered in the lane. Uh, but you know it's fine. It happens. You know it happens to it, some it, teams. It, 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 no, it honestly, it, you just have to expect that. Truly. At this point, if you're the Bucks, you just have to. There's no way around that. But whatever, that's not in Milwaukee's control, really. Um, it just seemed like there was a lot of uh, just mental mistakes. That's my key from this from this series, I guess you can say from this downfall, yeah. is just there's just so many mental mistakes that were made um, on the court and. Also, by the commentators, Marv Albert, repeatedly referring to Brooke Lopez as Robin Lopez. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> uh, even though... It was a know, premonition. It, yeah, it was, I guess. Even though, you know... It, it, it'd it be understandable if he did it this season. Which he did. Which he did. Oh, a yeah. lot. Uh, big time. Um, which really, it, I mean, they d- don't...
2: Uh, like, when Robin at least has Rock in the long hair, it's real easy to tell him apart. When, he, when, when the hair gets shorter, sure. But... Long hair, Robin
3: Lopez. I don't when, even when he had the beard. Yeah, dude. like
2: I don't know how you can mistake that guy and all that
3: hair for anyone else in the league. Yeah, I have no idea. But you know, that's a yikes when he's not on the team yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I would. But I would yeah, say.
3: just a lot of mental mistakes all around. It just this is what makes it so frustrating to rewatch this game.
2: No, yeah, it's the we. I think we've said a hundred versions of this at this point. The Raptors played well; deserve credit. The Bucks certainly made it easier for Toronto to win this. For sure. Okay, we will head to the second half in just a second. Um, what was the uh, the halftime score?
3: Uh, the Bucks were up forty nine to forty six.
2: Forty nine. What a game! What a, what a what a low scoring game. This is like one of those last dance halftimes. I've been watching the last dance, and it's always like. Jordan takes the shot with an 89-89 tie at the end of quadruple overtime. Like, oh my God, not a lot of buckets. No one of the twos were so important. But anyway, um, speaking of other sports things, with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they are bringing Vegas directly to you. Are you missing the NFL? That's no problem. BetOnline.ag has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can also still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, Stock Prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which is supposedly still a go. This is all open 24 hours a day and all completely online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. betonline.ag, your online wagering solution. Guys, speaking of hot dog eating contests, are you looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to bluechew.com. bluechew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they WORK. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line, which is extra crucial in these tough times. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost and once approved, Your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit bluechew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com with promo code BLUEWIRE. Okay, Rohan, let's go a couple more rounds on this here podcast. What should we talk about with the third quarter?
3: <laughs> um, okay, well, <laughs> we need some levity uh,
2: in this episode, man.
3: Okay. Well, it, in the third quarter, the Bucks, you know, they managed to come out hot. They once again, they built a 12-point lead in this quarter. They had a 12-point lead like around 7:40 to, to go. Seven. Yep. Yep, 7:40 to go in the third quarter which was great. It was good to see. It seemed like the first quarter all over again because, you know, they were coming out they were being aggressive. They were actually making their shots, not making a bunch of mistakes, and leaving Toronto with wide-open jumpers and layups, which is good, and that's how you win games. Uh, so I, I said this at the top, but this fell apart when George Hill came in, mm. not Nico this time.
2: Yeah because there was no Nico. Nico does not play in the second half or for the rest of the series. That's you know, we got to grasp for silver linings. We are at this point done watching or talking about Nikola Mertic minute. It's over.
3: Yes, finally. Unless he comes back from Europe.
2: I think if he comes back from Europe, this would not be the team that he would be eager to sign with.
3: No, 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 no. It's if he comes back to an Eastern Conference opponent and then the Bucks cooking. Yeah, that, that would be cuz there's no fun. way yeah. it, there's no way that the Bucs uh, Bucks are signing Nico.
2: We gotta leave that spot open for
3: Johnny O'Brien, man. But yes, no, have to. Always. Shout out to shout out to Johnny to
2: O'Brien. Be legend. But I'm i I'm distracting you. You were you were mentioning George Hill.
3: Yes. So George Hill comes in for Brogdon once uh, you know, the Bucks have a sizable lead. Uh and then it all sorta of falls apart. And like they had a twelve point lead. And then and then what we said earlier happens. There's there's a little little man from Canada who looks a, a lot like Drake, who is sort of. Is he from Canada? Sort of. I don't think so, actually. <laughs> I'm googling.
2: <laughs> <Keep going. laughs>
3: well, he's he he lives in Toronto. He, does. he lives in Canada. I hope so. Otherwise, it's a long commute. He was born in Rockford.
2: Um, That's right. I actually did know that. Rockford, Illinois.
3: No. Okay. Well, a ma- a little man who looks like Drake comes from Illinois <laughs> via Canada to Milwaukee, and uh, sort of goes off. You you could say he he makes as many threes in this quarter as the Bucks do, Ooh. which is you know not a good sign. Uh, three of five and three in the quarter, which you know brings Toronto back into this game.
2: Yeah, it does. And you know, I was really. Excited is not the right word, but I was perversely curious to watch these Fred Van Vliet. I really need to slow down when I say his name. You cannot speed through that name. But I was really excited to watch his explosions in this series because there are a lot of people, I've said it, I know Matt Moore at HP Basketball has kind of brought it up as like a point like if Van Vliet doesn't hit whatever horrible percent from three, the Bucks probably go to the finals and maybe win a championship. And it's like, it's a very nice and convenient thing to just say. But Van Vliet was not like pulling up through double coverage and just hitting threes despite everything. So uh, at the Bucks are up 10, probably around seven minutes to go. So they're, they're down from up 12, but still up 10, still double digits. Brooke Lopez is on Kawhi. This ends badly a lot later, but this time, It ends badly because Bledsoe is so concerned with that mismatch. And Kawhi is driving, and and Bledsoe kind of comes up even further away from Van Vliet to help. Listen, if there's one place I want Brooke Lopez defending Kawhi Leonard, it's the paint. Like, let him take Brooke Lopez to the paint. That should be where you want him to be with Brooke Lopez on him. But Bledsoe comes up further. Van Vliet just wide open on the wing. Could not be more open. Nails the three. Then Sterling Brown leaves Van Vliet to help on a Norm Powell drive. Again, I feel like there were more than enough defenders to handle one Norm Powell who got loose off the perimeter. But Van Vliet, wide open, hits it again. And then uh, later in the in this quarter, um, the Bucks have numbers on a Raptors fast break. But this is like the mental mistakes you talk about. Ersan is the one who ends up on Van Vliet. And the rest of the team is like so focused on this. Two passes later, Kawhi gets a wide open three on the wing. Like, these are the kind of plays where if you let up one of these in a crucial moment, it's like, oh, that stinks. We really need to lock down. You cannot give up, like, four good threes. Like, open looks on three in a tight sequence like this when you're holding on to a lead at home in a game five in a tied-up series, you just can't let Fred VanVleet shoot four open threes in in a crucial quarter. You can't let Kawhi shoot them, Like, you just need to have a body there and the bucks were unable for many reasons and we're probably going to have to get into them and try to get into them. We're unable to, to keep somebody on these guys throughout this very crucial stretch.
3: I feel like we've said this so many yeah. times at this point, but just over helping was the downfall of Milwaukee. Yeah. Just like that plays into what I was saying about mental mistakes. Like you do not need to help in certain situations uh, and just leave open shooters. That's literally probably the main reason that the Bucs are not NBA champions right now. Yeah,
2: no, and, and it's it, frustrating because they had the athletes and the defenders, like they just, I'm guessing it's a little bit of both from the you know the, the coaching management and the actual players out there, but it was like so weird. I don't know if they were caught up in the moment or what. The Bucks were just getting so caught up at, in the ball and in drives. Like there's, I think this quarter there's a Serge Ibaka dunk where George Hill actually does a really good job of sealing off Serge. He doesn't let him get the ball in the paint at first. And then whoever has the ball, whoever it is, like drives in just a little bit and every buck just like snaps to watching the ball and Serge just leaks for like an easy dunk. Like just completely is lost by the defense. It's like hmm. you just can't let those – you can't give looks that good. I mean the Bucks just – I don't know if they were shook by the moment. Certainly possible, you know, after they build that lead twice, the Raptors come back twice. I've, I've said this before, Toronto was completely unflappable. Toronto did not seem affected by anything in the slightest for this series. I mean, in crunch time, we saw this, this whole playoff run, they were, they were damn ready for everything, but the Bucks did not look like that, especially in this game, especially in this quarter.
3: Yeah. That surge of Baca dunk actually brings up a n- new point. So you want to know who was gird- guarding Serge Ibaka on that play? It was Hill, wasn't it? Who, yeah, but you know, like, out, it was off of a switch. Uh, it was Ursan mm. who was on Serge Ibaka. You want to know why Ursan was on Serge Ibaka, tie? Why? Because uh, the lineup on the floor as the Bucks were losing a 12-point lead in a tie game of the Eastern Conference Finals at home was George Hill, Malcolm Brogdon, Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown, and Ursan Ilyasova.
2: I just don't understand why you have four how bench is guys. that
3: line up on the floor during this time? That's unacceptable.
2: Four bench guys on the floor at once. Do you know how many bench guys played for the Raptors?
3: Like three. Three? Three.
2: Yeah. And really, it, that their, their bench minutes look bigger than they should because Danny Green started and was awful and played 15 total minutes. Danny Green, a steal and a rebound away from a 15 billion game which is, like, when you don't put up any stats. Danny Green, minus 17 in his 15 minutes. Like, they overcame an absolutely terrible game from a starter. Also, Marcus Gasol was pretty bad. He hits 1-3, but he's 1-for-6. They lost his minutes, too. So, like, the Raptors weren't great in this game, aside from, obviously, Van Vliet was a terrific shooter. Kawhi was good. Lowry was quietly pretty bad in this game. He contributes a lot, but he's 4-of-11 from the field. He just makes a ton of free throws because, of course but it's not like the Raptors just rose up and all played great. This was literally so much of the Bucks playing into their hands so often. And, you know, it's, it's smart to bring up that lineup because, like, no wonder these guys who aren't playing – I mean, they're playing more than they should, but they're not playing a ton. They're not starters. They might not be in the flow of things. No wonder, like, George Hill, Pat Connaughton, and Chris Middleton – aren't able to crisply manage and switch everything the ways they should. I mean, I think they make mistakes that are inexcusable even given the, the the context. But, like, this Raptors team, it felt like was just more tight. They all knew exactly what to do, whereas the Bucks just didn't. And, yeah, that's – I have no idea why that lineup is in there in this close of a series, in this pivotal moment. But it's not what you want to see.
3: Like I get, I get why Chris wasn't there, you know, because he had his own lineup that we referred to early in the first quarter where he was the only starter on the floor, and that again did not go well. Chris, terrible game, very bad Chris game. We've discussed this. Why, why is no Giannis or Bled in the game? Yeah, that one of them just have one of your three best players on the court is that's not that. I don't feel like that's too much to ask for,
2: especially Bled going really well this game and. That was something I remember. This whole season, maybe not the whole season, but a lot of the season I was caving for is at first I kind of was focused on Stagger, Giannis, and Chris. But then, as I thought about it more, Staggering Giannis and Bledsoe in a lot of ways makes even more sense.
3: Ty, we're still talking about that for this. We season. are. I mean,
2: it's still it's still a thing that that makes sense. I mean, like both of the you know two of the worst shooters on the team. I don't want to say the two worst. I mean, Bledsoe is probably better than Robin Lopez, maybe better than a couple other guys. Um, right now, I have to really look and.
3: Robin Lopez ended the season on a
2: hot stretch. That's true. That, that's very true. Um, but whatever. Sorry, ended the postponed
3: season. Yes, no, yeah.
2: Ended the the first part of the season. We'll say and, and be generous and optimistic. But like Bledsoe and Giannis are two of the guys that other teams are going to ignore the most from the perimeter. So if you stagger those two and maximize them getting getting both of them to operate with four true shooters around them makes a lot of sense for both guys. But. I mean, yeah, I just—I don't know why they ever would have no Giannis, no Chris, no Bledsoe minutes in this entire game. I mean, I don't have an easy way to look, but I'm guessing the Raptors never— Especially when they
3: built the lead. Yeah. They had a 12-point lead in the quarter. And
2: what are the chances there was any no Kawhi, no Lowry minutes in this game?
3: I— Probably very I can
2: gu- guarantee not in either of the middle two quarters, because Lowry plays all of the second and all of the third. Yeah. And Kawhi plays all of the fourth. So if it happened, it was around three minutes in the first quarter. That was it. That's the absolute most possible, which is how it should be. And at some point, we're going to need to have a dialogue about if the Bucks either can't or won't play players those kind of minutes because Milwaukee just never does that. I mean, I just look now looking through the quarters like the most Giannis played in a single quarter in the fourth, he plays 11 and a half minutes, so almost the whole thing. Before that, he plays nine minutes in the first quarter, then he plays 10 minutes in the second quarter, and then he plays eight and a half minutes in the third quarter and I know Giannis uses a lot of energy and everything. And, and he was some of the highest in terms of those minutes totals. I don't know why the bucks aren't playing more minutes in these quarters. I mean, we're basically, you know, kind of circling around the same issue right now with these lineups, but like, I would rather have a more fatigued Giannis or Bledsoe or Chris Middleton than Pat Connaughton and Ersan, especially no offense to those guys. But in this series, in this moment, like Ersan was not playable in this series. I mean, he's, better than Miritich on defense by far, let's let's be honest. But he's still, like, all the wings that Toronto was using, it was either a wing that he couldn't keep up with or a size that he really was not very good against. And then, of course, like, if he is on Serge Ibaka, even if the Raptors don't like that, as we saw with this Ibaka dunk on George Hill, they can just easily force a switch. Like, really, really rough stuff.
3: Yeah, just... just... I don't know like the Giannis thing I get kind of like he does play 40 minutes be like he like I think Bud has talked about this or John Horst has talked someone's talked about this it's just like Giannis goes he doesn't take a second off in his time on the court so it's sort of like he's gonna like wear down and like break down if he plays so much you know especially yeah. when this isn't the this isn't the last game of the series.
2: Well, uh, it's it kind of becomes your last chance if you lose this game.
3: I know, but it's like you you're still guaranteed another game. You know, yeah. You don't want to like go all out, you know, and like break Giannis, especially when you have another game.
2: Yeah, which he only plays about a minute more the next game. I don't know.
3: I know. I was, it was my next point was going to be we can complain about that on the next yeah, episode.
2: True, 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 true. Yeah, Giannis does play. I, I have a um, basketball ref. It's thirty nine point thirty nine minutes, time. fifteen seconds. But yep. like the rest of the Bucks, like okay, Brogdon plays about thirty four. He's coming back from an injury. I, I kinda get that. Who knows what his exact status was. Chris even bad Chris just plays thirty six minutes and Bledsoe plays under thirty four minutes. If I'm if I'm coaching right and I I don't want to be I don't want to be that guy. I'm not a coach. I don't know what I'm doing. But theoretically, if I see this good Bledsoe, I feel like I would want him out there a lot. Especially if my alternative is four bench guys and, and whichever starter. Like, just, I don't know. A lot of, of second-guessing to be done after the fact, of course. But even at the time, I mean, that's just... Even at the time, that's a lot it was of bench outrageous. Guys
3: yeah, I just, I don't know. At the time, it was outrageous as well. Yes. Yeah, you know, like we said, the, the Raptors do come back during those minutes, shockingly, shockingly. Where, there's, where there's only one starter, and that's Malcolm Brogdon on the floor. The uh, bigger
2: shock... The Bucks go into the fourth quarter with a lead.
3: Yeah, they still managed to keep it interesting. Like they they played this quarter even. So they took, uh, they took that big lead and then the then they erased their own lead by just like throwing the game. Um, so it was a tie, like it was a tied quarter. So you're still seventy five, seventy two lead going into the fourth quarter, and it sort of falls apart.
2: Yeah, my first note was I have no idea how the Milwaukee Bucks are leading the start of the fourth quarter. Then Kawhi falling out of, or excuse me, Giannis falling out of bounds. Those are to Kawhi. Did, do you remember this fast break? I do.
3: What, what was Ursan up to? Was he trying to take a charge? He might have. He just I'm stood. Not really sure. He didn't yeah. move. Mm-hmm. I think, hey, you know what? It's better than fouling. <laughs> yeah,
2: maybe. Yeah, probably. Probably it is better than fouling. Um, it does lead to two points for Toronto, though.
3: It does, but...
2: Another one of these frustrating moments. We already talked about Chris only makes two shots in this game. They both did come in this fourth quarter. He just, like, finds Van Vliet matched up on him and, and posts him up and spins for an easy two. It just seems like that was a thing that should have happened more. For as good as Van Vliet was shooting on the other end... Like, He's
3: still, like, four feet tall.
2: Yes! Like, <laughs> the Bucks are tall. Like... Anyone on the bucks,
3: really, virtually Middleton anyone can get that shot. Any possession he wanted.
2: Bledsoe should be able to bully Van Vliet. Obviously, Giannis. Obviously, the center is like. Well, there's only one real center on this team, but like, I just don't understand how he wasn't made into more of a liability. And clearly, he didn't give up that much on defense. Van Vliet ends with a game high plus 28 uh, in 37 minutes, which is tough. Which means the Raptors absolutely in a got a six-point game. <laughs> Absolutely got smoked in the eleven minutes he didn't play. They only win by six, so yeah, they they lose by twenty-two in the eleven not Van Vliet minutes.
3: That's a wild what? number. Oh, that's 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 made me somehow
2: more sad. <laughs> oh. Um, so the nine-minute mark, two-point lead for the Bucks. Uh, George Hill leaves Van Vliet alone entirely. Can you even believe it? I'm still saying this at this point in the game. At this point in the series, I just after, I don't know after I'm, the game Van I'm, I'm Vliet's I'm been having. George Hill leaves him alone to go help Chris, and I—I I bet you can guess what happens. Tell me, Ty. What does happen? I'm very confused. Oh, I'm sorry. There was a second line here I missed. So Chris is guarding Kawhi. Kawhi is driving. Giannis is also there. Like Giannis is in the vicinity. You would think you'd see Chris and Giannis there and be like, "Listen, if there's anything else to be done, like I, there's nothing. I can't add anything else. If Kawhi scores at that point, Kawhi scores. That's not. That's not what the what not what happened to George Hill." Who leaves Van Vliet in the corner, who hits an open three. Um, Chris comes back, great dime to Brooke Lopez, who great great and one through Marcus all. Brooke Lopez was making some G D plays in this game. Uh, Kawhi cooks Brooke Lopez twice in a row, though. Kinda kinda comes back on him. Um, we get some turnovers. We get some more Van Vliet threes later. I mean I just I just don't know how this guy was ever left open after he makes, like, the first three huge back-breaking threes, especially Mike Budenholzer's a guy who's coached an elite three-point shooter who doesn't do a ton else before, and he now coaches him again in Kyle Korver. And he watched the Cavaliers just take that away and kind of really stall the whole Hawks offense. And obviously those Hawks teams didn't have a Kawhi Leonard, but you would think it would be as simple as, like, Bledsoe's whole thing is not losing guys off screens like just say Bledsoe just stick to him and I, I just don't get how that wasn't a thing that happened earlier just anyone just stick to him but uh, it, it didn't happen and, and those fan fleet threes just kept happening and again this is not a blowout win for the Raptors like any one of those threes if it's erased or even turned into a two could have really actually swung the end of this game but they, they all go in
3: yeah, that's a really good point about just like having someone like Bledsoe just putting his hip on uh, Fred VanVleet the entire game, right. especially because the Bucks were like you know they were switching uh, in this game a lot more. Yes, so you're you could just have a switch everything defense, which again, like you said, hurt them a little bit when you got uh, Brooke on Kawhi. Um, but if you just have switch everything except for Bledsoe. Like, that's not that bad because that's what Bledsoe usually does anyway is just go over screens and just, you know, stay literally, with his man.
2: Literally his thing to get him on an all-defense team.
3: Literally, He's the best in the league. Yeah. That's
2: what he does. The Bucks yeah. built their defense on it. And even if you want to switch everything else, and, you know, absolutely right. You know, Kawhi cooked Brook Lopez probably three times in this game. Kawhi was a plus three in his 40 minutes and change. You can live with that. And I'm sure, obviously he shares the court with Van Vliet, so literally— if you say Bledsoe covers Van Vliet for one of those threes and it, it misses and the Bucks get the rebound it, with Kawhi being out there, and that's not how any of this works, but just imagine for one second, just one of those results change and nothing else in the game does. Kawhi's a, neg- a neutral in 40 minutes. Great game, 11 for 25 from the field, 5 for 3 from deep, 8 for 9 free throws, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, just 1 turnover. 35 points, great Kawhi Leonard game. If, you play in neutral. if one of those Van Vliet threes had not gone in, if it had been covered and he just missed, Kawhi's minutes are a net neutral for the Bucks. Just this 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 is what I'm talking about when I say, and I've said this made this point a lot, people are probably sick of it. I'm sorry, but like Kawhi alone was not what did it. And I, I firmly believe that. He's a great player, absolutely terrific, killer option, but man oh man did the Bucks make it easy for him to get up to 9 assists I mean it's literally he drives he gets pretty weakly double teamed I mean they didn't really get into him on like the effective double team where it's really hard to pass he just kind of sees two guys and goes oh where's Freddie I know he's wide open and more often than not he was
3: <laughs> the thought no, sorry the thought of Kawhi referring to Fred VanVleet <laughs> as Freddie <laughs> is very funny to me uh. ha.
2: <laughs> Oh man. But, oh, but and he... we get we get a terrible honest uh tunnel vision turnover in here too. He just runs right into Marcus All and and the ball bounces away and the Raptors score on the uh on the fast
3: break. And yet somehow this was a three-point game with under a minute left. Yeah. Die. And yeah. then Brogdon fumbles it out of bounds.
2: Which it was maybe off uh Siakam? It was off Brogdon. It was off him at the I'm end. I'm pretty sure. Uh, either way, I mean it's like one of those things where could we sit here and, and go full conspiracy and get mad? Sure, but we've both broken down. Well, we definitely.
3: There's plenty of reason for us to do that in this game. We're just not doing it. Right, because it's like... It's not like there was a clear baskin interference in this play where the Raptors bench started laughing where it wasn't called. <laughs> there um, was. Yes, there um, was.
2: There was an Ibaka follow, right? Yep. And the Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. listen. It's one of those where if the Bucks had played really well and the Raptors just made a lot of tough shots and then something like that tips it to for their favor, maybe I'm mad about it personally. I just have a hard time getting mad about a team not playing well and then being mad about officiating on top of it. It's very yeah, no, reminiscent of, course, of, course. of like the Rockets memo thing. Like you missed 27 threes. Don't write a memo about how you got robbed you miss those shots like that's the way it goes if you miss 20 some shots in a row i think it was 27 whatever the number is you should not expect to win the game no matter how many calls you get and the bucks Mm -hmm. did miss like a lot of jumpers in a row at some point in this game
3: yeah for sure but yeah there there is a way for us to go conspiracy theory but we will stick with the we'll we'll stick with what actually did it and what's in milwaukee's Control And they, they fumbled the ball. Yeah, that.
2: so right before the, the Brogdon fumble, um, Marcus Gasol pretty illegally screens Chris Middleton, I'll say, to who falls over, which lets Van Vliet hit another three, which is something where the very next play, it's an alley-oop, I think, from Brogdon to Giannis. It is. Yep. So that would have tied it if the Raptors got a two instead of a three on that last Van Vliet make. And the thing is, like again, you could throw up your hands and go, "Oh, I mean, an illegal screen doesn't get called," which they usually don't at this spot in the game. But just
3: ask, uh, what was, who was it, uh, where Carl Anthony Towns just steamrolled, uh, someone on the Thunder when Andrew Wiggins hit that half-court buzzer-beater? Oh yeah, yeah exactly. No, <laughs> but like Chris was way too far
2: in the paint to begin with. Again, just way off of Van Vliet. I just don't understand how this keeps happening. Like. He's I mean, certainly good at moving off the ball and getting open, but it's not like he was like running through like five sets of horns and elevator doors and all this other stuff. Like he's literally just, you know, on, on the in the corner and then like ranges up a little bit to the wing and all of a sudden like he's wide open. Just way, way too easy. And if you make it easy for a good team like Toronto, they're gonna beat you. It's a close game, certainly, but that makes it honestly even worse.
3: Yeah, this felt a lot like game three. No, yeah. In the sense that this was a very close game where the Bucks sort of, like, had opportunities to win and didn't, obviously. Uh, I don't know. Just, you know, very close game at the end. You still had a chance to tie the game. It was that, that Brooke Lopez three to tie it at, like, what was it, 97 all or something? Oh, my
2: God. One of the biggest shots. Like, so unfortunate that the Bucks obviously lose this game and the series for a lot of reasons, but that Brook Lopez three... I think would be on so many highlight reels if the Bucks had won this. I mean, Brogdon misses it from the corner. The Bucks get the rebound. Brooke takes it. You know it what it stride. reminded me of? What?
3: It reminded me of the Jason Terry three in the other Toronto series.
2: Oh, I was going to say the, um, God, what was the regular she- season shot where Chris hucks it out? Or no, no, no. Uh, Zaza hucks it out to Chris. That the heat, heat buzzer baiter. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just because it goes right to him, and he just no doubt takes it and makes it.
1: Mm,
3: no, but it was akin to the Jet 3 because, you know, they still lost that game. <laughs> true, 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 true. Yeah. it was. They had come back from, I think, in that, uh, it was game six against Toronto. Was
2: that the DeRozan dunk game? Yes. Because DeRoz- that, that was the, the final game, right? They didn't take him to seven. Yeah. I think mm. DeRozan seals it with a dunk, kind of on Giannis.
3: Yeah, I think so.
2: One of the great forgotten DeRozan moments.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh yeah just yeah it reminded me that the Pfizer yeah, went insane uh as they should have cuz that was that was such a big shot. I miss Brooke Lopez hitting threes. Man. Oh, I know. I know. Like this season was kind of kind of a little rough on that end. I do like that least.
2: he's he's really working on and it, you can see it in this game. He's really working on the off the dribble from the arc game. He, he has a really nice make around Gasol when Gasol closes out. He was comfortable going to the basket this year and kind of a continuation of that but yeah i'd be very comfortable myself if he was hitting both kind of shots
1: yeah
3: uh <laughs> it'd make the deal a little uh it'd make the deal much better yes uh, i forgot what was the contract it was like four years
2: yeah i think the last one's not entirely guaranteed though yeah
3: that's true i just i don't know i completely forgot that brooke lopez signed like a four-year contract um
2: yeah, but it's one of the, this is actually something that came up in a Discord. It's four years, fifty-two. Oh no, I lied. It's fifty-two guaranteed. Never mind. Um, apparently, I really didn't think so. But I mean, when the guy is a defensive player of the year nominee this year, it's still even if the shot's not going in, I have a. It's tough to criticize it too much. No, that's a, yeah, for sure, especially just,
3: when he was on the mid-level exception this yes. season uh, that we're talking about. Yes. Uh, somehow we've gotten into Brook Lopez contract discussion, uh, but yeah, massive three by Brook Lopez to tie the game that didn't really end up meaning that much. And then you play the foul game and like six six points is actually like larger than it was. Yes, because it was honestly just a three point game.
2: No, certainly agree. I mean, this was it was that close, and that's where that's why it really makes it that much worse. The Van Vleet hits. Seven damn threes in this game, seven for nine, and and I said this before. It's an outlier shooting performance, even if they're all super wide open. You know, an average day, super wide open, he probably makes four or five out of nine. But the Bucks allowed it to be possible with just not just not containing him whatsoever, even after he got hot. So it stinks. It's certainly I would have loved to look back and see. You know, bled so right in his grill and he makes him anyway. Like Lowry and Kawhi make some shots like that in almost every game. Somebody's closing out strong and it just doesn't matter. You know, good offense beats good defense. This was offense just beating hapless defense. This was this was not
3: good offense beating good defense. No, not at all. It was Milwaukee just played played themselves. They just played themselves. Can you believe we're about to hit an
2: hour? <laughs> oh I thought God. we were going to run out of material, and I, did, I certainly didn't think I'd get mad again. I thought we were done with that. I thought, oh, I didn't, I thought I'm going to be gonna
3: completely be, honest. I would not look at the time.
2: <laughs> I just looked up at it now. I figured, you know, we've been talking before. We've been dreading this. We're so resigned to it. But like going through it like with you, I feel like, really draws the... I think we kind of feed on each other's just disgust at some of this. Mm-hmm.
3: For sure. Because <laughs> we, we, we both... We both feel the pain. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to talk about your pain sometimes.
2: This is therapy.
3: Mm-hmm. It really is.
2: <laughs> it, in a lot of ways. A lot of things going on. I don't have any, uh, Any, I, I didn't put any wrap-up notes, but, I mean, we talked about it already. This was a game you just can't lose. Now you're down 3-2. to two. You need to win both games. And, of course, you need to go into Toronto to win game six, which... You know the Raptors might lose almost every game one at home whenever they get them, but they uh, this team was not known for losing late series games at home.
3: No, especially like when you're the Bucks and you won on your home court, uh, and you've just you've had two of those losses just be absolutely heartbreaking close game losses where you could have done something. Just like little things cost you the entire game and the entire series. But I guess we'll get into that next episode, unless you have anything else you need to add.
2: I don't, the one thing I, I, I'm pretty sure we can we can say this without looking into it too much, no team has ever come back after losing three in a row at any point in a playoff series, right? Because the only 3-1 comebacks, there were only like the two. It was OKC.
3: No, there's been more. That was the only one in finals history, I'm pretty sure. Oh, because I know that
2: one in 2016, two happened in the same playoffs. I thought that OKC one was the first. What, whatever. It, if it has happened before, it's certainly not usual.
3: No, not. It's very difficult. <laughs> uh, but yeah, once you've, had to, once you've dropped three in a row, it's hard to like, you know, Go and win two in a row when you're on facing elimination.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, obviously, the ideal time to do it is after you've already won a few. Well, I guess I I, I shouldn't say that because I'm sure a team has gone up three zero, then lost three, then won. Especially with some of the weird ways. Yeah,
3: they've game sevens have been forced after being down 3-0. Yeah,
2: so it's happened, but certainly not ideal. And you never want to be down three two. That did was that even was that necessary to say? Probably not. You obviously never want to be down three <laughs> two. Uh, at any point, especially going on the road, but that is where our bucks find themselves no thats that's all I've got now i've thoroughly confused myself and <laughs> probably probably uh said some history that's not quite true, so that's that's my <laughs> cue to stop
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh it's okay we we love you what you would say. um but I get yeah I don't have anything else to say on this on this game either, which just end the end the sadness so uh. I guess we'd like to thank you for enduring our pain here on this episode of Binge the Bucks on the Eurostep Podcast. If you uh, enjoyed this conversation and enjoyed Ty and I just losing our minds, uh, please do leave a rating and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure you tell your family and friends about the show. Uh, Make sure you check out all of the good content being put out across the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And please stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next time.